It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Thursday, December 31st, uh, New Year's Eve, as we have our 2020 State of the Union address, State of the UFC address. Uh, and I, I figured there's no better time to, than, than to close out 2020 with a, a look back at 2020. And, uh, you know, this kind of coincides with some of the articles we've been posting, which you should check out uh, at NorthStarsports.media, um, about our rankings in review. So I figured it'd be fun to go back. Obviously, we uh, posted our, our rankings from the start of the rankings, which was actually in May of this year so not exactly a full year but um you know seven months that's that's a good that's a decent stretch especially considering that you know for a few months a few weeks uh you know we didn't have any ufc fights because of the old rona um so i I thought it'd be fun to go through uh all the uh the different weight classes and and look at who rose and who fell and you know just kind of give my opinions on the division as a whole and maybe what we can expect in 2021 um and you know give a little uh state of the ufc address um yeah and then um I was thinking tomorrow we might preview the uh, those uh, 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 why the fuck am I blanking on it the the college football playoffs. I was trying to think of the fucking technical term, but I think we might preview that tomorrow. So we should have something tomorrow on uh, you know first day of of uh, 2021. But uh, yeah, let's waste uh, no time because we have no housekeeping. I mean, you know, the main card showdown is is uh, you know maybe we could have done it for uh, Ryzen. But uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how deep those cards are. Um, but yeah, let's get right into it. So we'll start here in the uh, the heavyweight division, and uh, th- this is going to be a common theme, by the way. Um, looking at the top of these divisions, uh, not a lot of belts exchanged hands, or should I say, uh, I actually think no champion lost in uh, 2020. There are there were a couple of belt changes which we'll get to, obviously, you know, Davison becoming the champ, but it wasn't because Davison beat Henry Cejudo, it's because Cejudo retired, um, and shoot, what's the other, what's the other one? Oh, uh, Jan Blahovich becoming the light heavyweight champ, not because he beat John Jones, but, but because John Jones retired, so, you know, the, the champs who didn't retire, it was, it was a good year to be a champ, I mean, you, you didn't lose, and, uh, you know, obviously, Stipe beat, DC in the trilogy fight a little lackluster if I can say so myself but uh, you know I'm always fascinated by heavyweight rankings because it tends to be a rather um, shallow division rather top heavy division even when you go back to like the heavyweight glory days I don't really know how how deep heavyweight was you know it, it seems like we can find eight or nine competent high-level heavyweights at any given time, and then the rest is just kind of, eh, it's just kind of whatever, you know what I mean, and, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of in a shallow time 
at heavyweight. I mean, we don't we don't know if if Stipe is going to continue fighting. I think he will, but I've heard nothing from Stipe after beating uh, DC. And again, I, I think he will fight, but I don't. You know what I mean? He's he's the goat. He's the heavyweight goat. I mean, what more is there to do? I don't think in the in the slightest bit he's excited to rematch Francis and Gano. You know he you know he obviously in his mind he already well in the record books he already beat him but you know I don't think that challenge excites him so you know it's a little weird uh we all know that's the fight to make with uh Miocic and Nganu uh you know you got Blades sitting there I mean I think Blades has earned a title shot and and you know he's gonna have to wait for for Nganu um although it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me with how the UFC does business if they would go Miocic and Blades if Nganu got a little little difficult on um contract negotiations uh, would not shock me if that would be the case. Um, but, you know, we did see some risers, and that's that's a fun thing to see. Uh, at heavyweight, I'm looking at Cyril Gaon, a guy who had uh, three, I think three fights canceled um, in 2020 and then fought at the end of the year and, and beat JDS. And, uh, you know, now we have a, a bright young prospect sitting there at number seven. I mean, he, he flew up eight spots uh, in the rankings from, from start to, to finish. Um, not a lot of people leaving the rankings either, so it's a lot of the, the usual suspects. We had Daniel Cormier retiring, and uh, Sergei Pavlovich was 14, and he's to unranked. But I'm just looking at the bottom of that division, just looking for, for someone to emerge. I think a lot of people thought the guy uh, who, who was going to emerge w- w- was going to be Augusto Sakai, but uh, that, you know, I don't want to get on the whole heavyweight diet thing because I don't want to be a dick about it, but. You know, Augusto Sakai could be in better shape, and I'm going to leave it at that. But, you know, he's still very young. Even for heavyweight uh, standards, he's, he's well, especially for heavyweight standards, he's, he's young. But, like, you know, we got Shamil Abdurakimov sitting there. I like what I've seen from Marcin Tabura. I think he was 3-0 in uh, in 2020. So that, that might be a, a, a low-key... Uh, underrated guy to watch. Obviously, you know, he's been in the company for, uh, for a long time. But, I, you know, really... Again, going back to the initial discussion here, I'm just looking for someone to emerge. Like, uh, you know, we saw it last year with Jair Zinho. It looks like he's here to stay. Obviously had that uh, brutal KO loss uh, against Nganu. But I'm just looking for that, that next guy because, it, it, you know, we really only get a handful of real guys at, at heavyweight, and I'm just looking for that next one. I think it's Cyril Gaon. I think it's Cyril Gaon, but, uh, you know, I'm 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 rather blasé on the heavyweight division to to be honest. Um, you know, obviously there's there's some fun matchups to be had here, but uh, you know I, I don't think it's in its prime. Um, moving on here to uh, the light heavyweight division, which is another rather blasé division, um, which is a little unfortunate. Obviously, it's a division in flux. With all due respect to Jan Blahovich, who very well could be the champ for a meaningful period of time. You know, we'll wait. We'll wait and see. I, I just saw that I think earlier today or late last night that uh, it is official that Jan Blahovich will fight Israel Adesanya. Um, but you know, John Jones, he was the champ in uh, in May. Obviously, uh, you know, vacated the belt, so uh, we got Blahovich there as the champ, and uh, you know. The, the light heavyweight division has always been the glory division. I know people say, like, heavyweight, the baddest man on the planet, and that's probably true. But I don't know, man. You look at the at the history of the UFC, it's always been the light heavyweight division. Um, 
you know, carrying the, the, the weight of the company. I mean, you look at you've, the greatest champs have come from the light heavyweight division. I mean, you're talking about, uh, well, Tito Ortiz, you know, but, but back in the day, you know what I mean? And John Jones and DC, and then, you know, that run from like 2007 to, you know, 2011 when John Jones became the champ, where it's just legendary fighters uh, who, who did not have long title reigns. I mean, the belt was just, you know, a hot potato. I mean, Rampage Jackson and and uh, Rashad Evans, Forrest Griffin, uh, Leota Machida. Um, so, I mean, the, the light heavyweight, Randy Couture a couple of times, maybe, three times maybe if you count interim champs, I, I think, and then two times at, at heavyweight. So, I mean, you're just, I mean, that's always been the glamorous, uh, glamorous division, and now it's it's kind of a division in flux, but uh, I, I like the prospects there in the light heavyweight division better than uh, in the heavyweight division because, again, at at the top, uh, you know, Jan Blachowicz. I don't I don't know if he's ever going to be a you know a, a pay per view star, a guy who's going to you know blow your fucking socks off, but you know, very solid champ who needs uh, more respect. You know, you got a fucking forty two year old man as your number one contender. Uh, which props to him. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's that's incredible that Glover Teixeira is in that spot. But again, it's not gonna blow anybody's socks off. We see, we've seen him uh, get a title shot back in 2014, uh, and you know if he wins, it's not like he's gonna be a four year champion. You know he he's at the very twilight of his career. Uh, but but you have these guys. You have Alexander Rakic sitting there at four. He was a big mover. He was sitting at number nine back in uh, back in May. Uh, and, and you know you look at what he did to uh, Anthony Smith. Uh, I know this was 2019, but you look at his fight with Volkan Uzdemir in South Korea. You know that that's uh, a potential robbery of the year. I don't think it, w- it would win it, but it's a candidate. You know he he beat Volkan. He he really did. So, you know, this is a guy who, I mean, he could be the number two contender, you know, and, and I know that's kind of splitting hairs because he's at number four, but, you know, that loss was completely bullshit, and Rakic looks like the real deal. You know, handled handled himself on the ground well against Anthony Smith, and his striking's obviously electric. I mean, look at how he fucking ended the career of Jimmy Manoa. And then uh, Yuri Prohaska, that was a guy who was not even in the rankings. He was in Ryzen. Uh, you know, seven months ago, and uh, you know, one hell of a UFC debut. I went back and rewatched that fight just a couple of days ago uh, against Volkan, and holy shit! I mean, there's things to clean up because he got hit, you know, probably a little more than than he should have. But uh, man, his striking is really good. Uh, he's a very powerful guy. You look at his his record and rising a lot of KOs, and you know, fought some decent guys. He fought um, uh, CB Dalloway. Over in in Ryzen, he fought uh, Brandon Halsey, I think, over in uh, in Ryzen. Um, uh, King Mo, I think he went one and one against King Mo. That was one of his losses over there. But uh, you know, those those are those are, are uh, you know higher level outside of the UFC guys. So it's not like he was beaten up. It's not like he was a Russian prospect who was beating up guys who were you know four and twenty four. You know what I mean with with twenty two KO losses. Um, so I'm, I'm very high on Prohaska. Um, and, and uh, you know, we, we've seen Nikita Krilov, another uh, younger guy. I, I think it's tough to tell because he was in the UFC for a while and never really did anything until he came back on the second run. Uh, Krilov is 28. 
I mean, Jesus, you know, 28 years old. And, and uh, you know, I think he learned from his mistakes made in, in his first tenure and came back. And, you know, he's sitting there at number eight. Johnny Walker's at number nine. I mean, you know, he's kind of cooled off a little bit from, you know, the, the you know, 30-second murders he would put on early in his career. But, you know, let's not forget Johnny Walker's still here. Jimmy Crute. Jimmy Crute might be fucking champ by this time next year. I mean, uh, you know, a very well-rounded guy, striking and and grappling. Ryan Spann is sitting there at 13, and and I think he's 28 as well. So, um, you know, I think a lot of these guys in the light heavyweight division are only going to move up in the rankings. You know, the top five uh, at light heavyweight, I mean, a year from now, 18 months from now, could be completely fucking different. You know what I mean? Uh, I think Rakic and Prohaska, they're at four and five. I think they're there to stay. But I think who knows with Santos, who knows with Teixeira could be retired by then. Um, you know, you got to pay respects to Jan Blachowicz because he's a champ. Dom Reyes hasn't looked super good, and he's sitting there at three. You got to wonder if, you know, everything went right on his rise to the top, kind of like uh, Anthony Smith. But, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm really excited for the future of the light heavyweight division. I think right now, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're on the rise. It might be a little a little bit of a lull, and I don't want to say that in a disrespectful way, but, um, you know, that's that's going to be a fun division uh, to watch moving forward. Um, and, and we did have a couple of notable, well, one very notable guy leave the division, obviously John Jones, uh, who vacated the belt. But Corey Anderson uh, left the UFC. He was at number six, I want to say. Uh, Alexander Gustafson was ranked at number eight, which was wild. We, we never should have had Gustafson at eight because, you know, lost a lot of fights and was pretty inactive. So I don't know what the fuck we were doing back then putting him at, uh, at number eight. But he obviously moved to heavyweight, so opened up some spots. Oh, shit, I skipped a guy, Magomed Nkolaev. I totally forgot, you know, now that he's done with that bullshit with uh, Iwan Kutalaba. I mean, and I, th- I think... Let me... I could have swore uh, there was a fight announcement with Magomed Ankalaev uh, yesterday. Uh, I don't want to get it uh, incorrect, but I believe he's supposed to fight Nikita Krilov. Yep, he's supposed to fight Krilov uh, February 27th. So that's exciting. I mean, Magomed Ankalaev, Jesus, he has that one loss to Paul Craig. You know, the, the, the submission at 459 in round number three. If he doesn't lose that fight, he could be in the top five right now. Um, and, you know, obviously... A hellacious, hellacious uh, left hook KO of um, of Kutalaba. That's that's a real guy as well. So, you know, it's it's. I'm a little less hot on a guy like Krilov, but like holy, like these are these are blue chip prospects. These are, these are not just young guys in the rankings. You know, sometimes you'll you'll look at a top 15 and, and you'll go, okay, well that's a young guy in the rankings, but you know, let's wait and see. But like these are fu- like. If this was college football, these these are some five star recruits here. You know what I mean? These are, these are some blue chip prospects in the light heavyweight division. So I am fucking I'm talking myself into it as I'm going through it. I mean, I am thrilled for the light heavyweight division. That's a that's it will get back to the glory days. You might not know these guys now, but you know I think it will get back to the glory days. Uh, moving on to uh, the middleweight division, uh, kind of a kind of a dud of a year if, if i if if i can be honest i mean uh you know started off with uh that title fight between adesanya and romero back in february that was a stinker and i see a lot of people blaming that on yoel romero and obviously he deserves 
blame. He was one of two participants, and perhaps even perhaps even he deserves more than 50% of the blame. But to act like, oh, well, Yoel Romero ruined that fight. No blame goes to Adesanya. Adesanya. No, 50% of the blame goes to Adesanya. He was fucking 50% of the dance partners. So I, I don't understand that. I guess they don't want to shit on Adesanya because he's the champ and probably will be a champ for a very long time. So you don't want to shit on him. But no, Izzy made that fight boring as hell as well. Well, I'm a counter... I'm a counter-striker. Okay, well, that's a convenient excuse to, you know, the boring performance you just put on. So it was it was boring all around. And then, you know, demolishes Paulo Costa. That was kind of, you know, it's good It's good for the middleweight division. I mean, you, you keep your, your, your same champ, but, I mean, man, all that steam around Paulo Costa just fucking went out the door. Uh, so that was, that was interesting. Uh, Robert Whitaker was the number one contender. He's still the number one contender, and you know, because he racked up the two wins uh, over Till and uh, Cannoneer. Two really good performances. I mean, I really want to see that rematch, and I, I think I'm not saying the outcome would be different, but uh, I think the fight would be different. I think Rob's a very smart guy. Obviously, earned it. He's like nine and one in the middleweight division. I mean, there's no you couldn't possibly say there's another man who deserves a title shot at middleweight more than more than Bobby Knuckles um but we did we did have uh you know some pretty big changes uh in the middleweight division most notably I'm looking at a guy who wasn't even in the fucking rankings in May who's sitting at number four and that's that's Marvin Vittori I mean Marvin Vittori look at look at the rise on on this guy obviously has the uh the the stellar performance against Jack Hermanson um and obviously some things to clean up there it wasn't the you know I mean again like like I said last show I mean you know he looked like Freddy Krueger he was not wearing that damage well you know hopefully it was a lot of superficial damage um but you know there's some there's some things to clean up I don't think he had to make that a war I, th- I think he could have just kept doing what he was doing taking the fight to the ground it, it did not have to turn into the war that it was but it was a very good performance and uh, I'm, I'm very excited. You know, I, I, I think, um, you know, Marvin, when he took on Israel Adesanya, kind of made a name for himself, being the guy to, to take Izzy to a split decision. Uh, I mean, ultimately, it was a split decision loss for Marvin. But, you know, he, he showed that he had good ground game, at least compared to Adesanya at the time. And uh, I'd love to see that rematch as well. Obviously, like I said, Bobby Knuckles uh, next in line. But Cannoneers on a losing streak, Costa's on a losing streak, albeit it's a one-fight losing streak, but, you know, Vittoria's sitting there, I mean, he's the next-ranked guy on, on a winning streak, and, you know, I think stylistically, he'd be a fun matchup for, for Izzy. If that fight ever went to the ground, I certainly would favor uh, Marvin Vittori, but, you know, what a what a year he's had, what a year that Derek Brunson has had, uh, moving up three spots, and, you know, really shutting down the biggest hype train in, in the middleweight division, and, and you know, I guess hype train would imply that, uh, you know, you didn't deserve it. Edmund definitely deserved it, but, you know, Edmund Shabazian, holy shit. I think I think Marvin Vittori turned out to be the guy that we thought Shabazian was at the time. Obviously, he's fucking 22 or 23, so still, I still think he'll figure it out. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, I think Vittori, in 2020, Vittori is what we thought Shabazian could have been. Because, um, you know, we were, we were talking about, like, wow, if Shabazzian beats Brunson, you know, he's probably one fight away from the title. And, uh, you know, obviously he's got to figure out some uh, some stuff. But 
you know, this is a fun a fun division. And, and you know, we have two guys ranked at 14 and 15 who are not ranked at all uh, in May, and that's Kevin Holland and Hamzat Chemaev. But to be honest, I don't know if I don't know if that's good for the middleweight division because I don't know if those guys are middleweights. I mean, we'll wait and see. Obviously, Hamzat Chemaev, uh, I think we I think we know he's a he's a welterweight, but obviously, you know, wouldn't if there was an opportunity uh, at middleweight, he seems like the guy to take it. Kevin Holland taking a lot of fights here at middleweight. I think he I, I think he could be champ at middleweight. I mean, that's a that's a tall order, but he's something special. But you know, I. I don't know. He 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 has made welterweight, and he could go down to welterweight, and obviously he'd be a he's a pretty lean guy for for 185. Um, so so I don't I don't know I don't know. Maybe he would deplete himself too much at the highest level um, if if he went to welterweight. But um, either way, I mean, whether it's 170 or, or or 185, those are two high level you know blossoming stars. I mean. I, I I don't know. It's tough to talk about him in the context of the middleweight division, but you know this this is this will be a fun a fun uh, uh, division moving forward. Um, we we did have a couple of uh, people leaving. Uh, we had Yo Romero uh, leaving the UFC. I believe he signed with Bellator, um, so that opens a spot. Brad Tavares uh, started off at twelve. He's uh, he's gone. We had uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. Shoeface was at fourteen. He's not in there and. Uh, Jotko, Christoph Jotko was at 15, and uh, he's no longer ranked. So really, I mean, you look at uh, you look at the bottom third of the middleweight top 15, and it's just completely fucking different. Except for Ian Heinish, he you know he, he stayed at 13. You know, he, I think he had a, a a win and a loss. So you know, uh, moved up and moved down, but you know, stayed at 13. So you know, props to props to Ian Heinish. Uh, move into the welterweight division. I mean, now we're getting now we're getting into some fun some fun rankings. Um, and uh, again, I will I will still contend that I need to see uh, Kamaru Usman and uh, Colby Covington fight again. I, I think that was a fight of the year uh, contender uh, back in 2019. Holy shit, that was only a year ago. Holy shit. Um, but I, I need to see it again. I mean, honestly, it was 2-2 going into that fifth round, and uh, it was anybody's fight for the taking. Obviously, Usman knocked him out, which is why he's the champ, and why, which is why he's the, the the best welterweight on the planet. But fuck me, if Colby Covington's not number two, and we gotta, you know, we gotta match up number one and number two again to to, to figure this out. Because uh, I mean, far and away, I honestly, I really believe far and away. Far and away, Usman is number one. Far and away, Covington's number two. And there is a fucking country mile between number two and number three. I mean, those guys are are something else, man. And they're, you know, essentially carbon copies of each other. Just, you know, uh, guys whose kickboxing uh, and striking have improved greatly. You know, the wrestling base. Obviously, the wrestling's a little different. You know, Covington wrestles when he wrestles and Usman... Um, you know, tries to do a little more damage than uh, Covington does. Obviously, Usman's got one hell of a clinch, um, but you know, yeah, 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 you could nitpick it. But I mean, essentially, carbon copies of each other. Um, let's see. We caught it on the tail end because we didn't do rankings, obviously, in, un, until May. So it's only a four-spot uh, swing for Gilbert Burns from uh, six to four. But uh, again, that doesn't count his performance against uh, Maya, which would have been uh, 
Uh, what, what was that in? Uh, actually, that might have been like the week before we did rankings. So, uh, you know, uh, it, it would have looked a lot more impressive uh, numerically if, if we had counted that. But obviously, that's a that's a big jump for him. Uh, uh, a big jump down for Woodley. I mean, he was the number one contender in May, and uh, yeah, it must have been the week before because that was that was in May. Um, because that was one of the first fights back. Um, yeah, and, and he's now at number seven. So I mean, that's j- dropping down six spots in seven months. I mean, that that is not good. Um, you know, it, interestingly enough, uh, Wonder Boy Thompson staying steady at number five, but he did have the really, really uh, masterclass performance against Jeff Neal. I mean, there's a lot of fun matchups you could make here. I just hope they don't. I just hope they don't fuck it up by doing Chibayev and fucking Edwards. I don't want to see that fight. I don't think that's appropriate. Uh, I get he's a star, but Jesus. Can we do like Chimaev against Woodley or Chimaev against Damian Maya? Or, dude, even Chimaev against Thompson, but like what the fuck? No, we can't have him, an unranked guy go against the number three guy. Like what the fuck? We, we have to have some semblance of a, of a ranking system. So as long as they don't get too fucking whack here... I mean, any matchup you make in the top five, match any of them up against any of them, and that's that's going to be a fucking barn burner. I mean, I, I went over matches. You know, we did Mailman's matchmaking uh, last show, and, you know, I said I want to see essentially a four-man tournament between uh, Usman and Burns because they are scheduled to fight each other. I want to see Covington and Masvidal, and the winners fight the winners, and, you know, that'd be fun as hell. I mean, I'd love to see the rematch of Masvidal and Usman. I would... The, the fight I'd love to see more than any fight in the entirety of the UFC is Covington and Usman too. But, you know, if, if it's Masvidal and Burns, if it's Covington and Burns, uh, you know, that's still going to be an awesome fight. We got Edwards sitting there. You could put uh, Edwards and Covington. I mean, that'd be fun. Edwards and Masvidal. Holy shit. I mean, the storyline's there. Hey, how about Masvidal and Thompson? You know, uh, outside of the loss to, to Usman, the last loss that Masvidal had was the Wonder Boy Thompson at UFC 217 back in November of 2017. So the storylines are there. I mean, that's a fight that Masvidal has talked about. That's a fight that Thompson talked about after his win over Jeff Neal. So, I mean, man, it's just mix and match. You, you can choose whatever you want. I think it, it gets a little trickier, although the stakes are less high because it's lower in the ranking. So doesn't matter if you put you know seven versus 14 but I, I think it's a little unclear about what to do outside of the top five like Damian Maya what, what do you do with with Damian Maya I mean he wants to have a retirement fight who do you put him up against you know probably against uh, an older guy I, I don't think you put him up against you know Vincente Luque or like a young killer not that he couldn't beat him because I think Maya still still has it you know let's not overreact on, on Maya's recent fights, but like, man, what do you do? I mean, we have Pettis sitting there at 14. Obviously, this is before he um, left for the PFL, so we'll have to change that when the new rankings come out uh, in 2021. But like, man, there's not a lot of like old guys you could you could put him up against. I mean, I don't know. And then Woodley, I mean, he he didn't retire, so I think he still wants to fight. What the fuck do you do with Woodley? you have him fight Nate Diaz? Do you have him fight one of these up-and-coming guys like a, a Jeff Neal or a Bilal Muhammad or a Neil Magny? Or I guess Magny's supposed to fight uh, Michael Chiesa. But, like, 
I don't know, man. It becomes pretty unclear down there uh, towards towards the bottom of the welterweight division. But I, I think uh, we're in for a very good 2021 just because the top end of this division there. And believe me, there is depth to this division. It's not a shallow division. It's actually probably the second or third deepest division in the UFC. Um, you could make a case it's number one. I would probably say it's... I'd probably say it's three. But a very... The difference between one, two, and three are real close. I mean, the welterweight uh, division, the lightweight division, and the bantamweight division are just insanely stacked. So there is depth to this division, but I think the top end of this welterweight division, I mean, holy shit, we're talking about pay-per-view main events, we're talking about co-main events, we're talking about some high-profile fights and a lot of different storylines. So I think, you know, this this is a this is a young Super Bowl contender. You know what I mean. They're ready to win now, but they're also re- ready to win in the future. So you know there is there is no transition going on here in the welterweight division. I mean, you know we we, we got the guys and and we got the guys in the future. Um, moving on here to the uh, lightweight division. Um, this is a tough one because this is a division in flux. Obviously, there are the top end guys. I mean. Uh, uh, Uncertainty with uh, Khabib and whether he'll fight again. I would probably say he doesn't. I mean, he's a he's a man of honor. He's a man of of his word, and you know, I think that uh, promising his mom, unless his mom, you know, gave him the AOK, which you know, I, I don't know, could happen, couldn't happen. What do I know? But uh, I, th- I think we've probably seen the last of Khabib, um, or if we see him back, it's probably against a guy like GSP. So kind of you know that's kind of in its own discussion away from the lightweight division even if it takes place at, at the lightweight division or in the lightweight division for the belt it's kind of separate because you know if if GSP wins he's going to retire if Khabib beats GSP he'll retire so it's kind of like yeah the belt's on the line but you know that belt has an expiration date you know we're worried about the future of the division and um it, it still is really deep but there's a lot of guys where you just kind of go mm, what what next you know what I mean? I, I feel like, um, and it was it was a high standard, but I feel like the division's getting less deep. It's getting less deep, um, which you know it's it's still it's still up there. Still might be the best division, but uh, you know we saw the uh, destruction of Tony Ferguson in in 2020. I mean this was an awful year for for Tony Ferg. I mean he was the boogeyman of the division, riding that 12 fight winning streak, and got dismantled and knocked out really battered by Justin Gaethje and then obviously just demolished I honestly scored that 30-24 for Charles Oliveira I thought it was a 10-8 every single round uh you know and that's that's crazy to say you know that it's that Tony Ferguson would get 30-24 but I I really felt it man or at the bare minimum that was a 30-25 because those last two rounds were 10-8s can't convince me otherwise um but you know and I get it. Tony broke his arm or, you know, hurt his arm. I guess I'm not a doctor. I guess that never came out. But, you know, it really seemed like he, he fucked up his, his left arm. But, you know, why was his arm fucked up? Well, because of, uh, you know, Charles Oliveira. So, you know, I can't really use that as an excuse. But, you know, like I say, clout can't be created or destroyed. It's really only transferred. And, you know, look at all the clout that is transferred to Charles Oliveira. So, you know, one one falls, one rises. So, you know, Charles Oliveira is kind of the boogeyman of that division because nobody's going to be lining up to fight that guy. Nobody wants to fight that guy. He's not a big name, uh, which I think is unfair. I think he should be. But he's not a big name. He's a very dangerous guy. You get nothing for beating him. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you get a title shot because you beat Oliveira? Never going to happen. 
but you could lose everything. You could lose everything. You know what I mean? If I, I, I know Poirier is scheduled to fight McGregor, but you know, like, you're, okay, we'll say Gaethje because Gaethje doesn't have a fight. Like, if Gaethje fights Oliveira, you don't get anything for beating him. You're, you're just supposed to beat him, but he's dangerous as hell. Um, and uh, obviously, we, we don't have Michael Chandler in the rankings because he hasn't fought, but that's an interesting addition. And uh, I think it broke yesterday that he's supposed to fight uh, Dan Hooker, I believe. So that's going to be, I think they tried to do Oliveira, but he didn't want to do the quick turnaround because of concerns over, you know, weight cutting uh, uh, that quickly. But, you know, that's going to be one hell of a fucking fight. I mean, I love it. I love it because, like I said, uh, I want to throw Chandler right into the deep end. There's no there's no dip in your toes. I want to figure out if he's the real deal or not. If he's not, then, you know, eh, you know, fuck off. But if he is, I mean, I don't want I don't want him to take on an unranked guy and then 14 and then 12. He's 34. He's a three-time Bellator lightweight champion, you know, one of the best lightweights in the world for a long time. You know, I don't want him here to fuck around, and you sure as hell ain't fucking around with Dan Hooker. I mean, look at that performance he put against Poirier. I, of course, I thought he lost, and he did lose, but that was a, that was a lot of people's fight of the year. So Hooker's no joke. I mean, he's, he's very dangerous, good elbows, good knees. Obviously, great kickboxing. He's he was tall as hell for featherweight. He's still pretty fucking tall for lightweight. So that's you know Chandler's gonna have his hand hands full. But um, you know we got the return of McGregor. I mean RDA coming back down to lightweight. I like that because I think uh, you know he's five foot eight, so he's not the biggest guy at lightweight uh, stature wise. Obviously, you know, I'm sure he's a thick fucking dude for for lightweight. But you know he did get it. He did get an interim welterweight. Um, title shot but he's just not a welterweight man I love seeing him come back down uh, to, to 155 and I'm sure it's tough for him to get down to 155 but I feel like if he's going to have that high level success uh, which is debatable because he's up there in age it'll be a tricky fight you know until the day he retires but you know if he's going to have that high level success I, I really feel like it's going to have to happen at 155 so I like him coming back down uh, and then you know, I, I want to see some of this, um, some of this meat down there from 10 to 15. I want to see it kind of separate. We got a lot of guys down there uh, who I could see them going either direction. You know, I, I but but I want to see activity. Uh, we got uh, uh, Kevin Lee at 10, Carlos Diego Fajeda at 11, Gillespie at 12, Makachev at 13, Dariush at 14, and Dober at 15. Now, Dariush and Dober are pretty active, so, uh, you know, I, I have confidence we'll either see them rise or, or see them fall, because they're, they're going to they're gonna fight, they're going to stay active. But, you know, I want to see, see more activity, and I'm sure it's not his fault, and, you know, we had a couple of fights canceled because of COVID and stuff like that. I get it. But I want to see, you know, Makachev fight more. I, I really want to see if, that, if he's the dude or if he's just a, a dude. Uh, Gillespie, sitting there at 12, has not fought in uh, 13 months. Hey, we need to see you coming back. Uh, Carlos Diego Fajeda had that uh, submission of um, Anthony Pettis. Hey, let's see some activity. I mean, are, are you a guy or, or are you a guy? And then Kevin Kevin Lee, um, you know, he, he got that. I mean, talk about the, the, the worst tattoo of 2020. Kevin Lee's tattoo is just fucking atrocious it it should honest it should be illegal to have tattoos like that that is fucking crazy that you could just get tattoos like that i mean holy shit 
So he, Kevin Lee's, I think he's got another run in him because he ain't getting an office job looking like that. I mean, he's really hoping that the UFC works out because, Jesus, if you got a tattoo like that, I mean, you, you're you either a successful cage fighter or, or you know, you're, you're unemployed because you ain't getting a job like that. But, um, you know, that's that's an X factor sitting there at 10. We know the talent of, of a Kevin Lee. Obviously, things haven't exactly gone his way, but... Um, you know, light, lightweight will be interesting. It will be interesting. I, I think some of those top guys we've seen for a while, uh, you know, are on their way out, whether or not it's retirement in Khabib's case or, you know, just kind of falling off in Tony Ferguson's case. So something's going to something's gonna rise to take that place. And uh, I'm, I am excited for uh, the foreseeable, foreseeable future um, in, in the lightweight division. Uh, moving on here to the, uh, the featherweight division. Um... This, I, I did not include it in my top three deepest divisions, you know, and I was talking about bantamweight and lightweight and welterweight, but if there was a number four, it would be featherweight. I mean, uh, again, this is another division where I think we will see movement because it, it is a more active division uh, towards the bottom half of the half of the top 15. It's actually rather inactive, uh, you know, in, in the top five or six because you got guys like Yair Rodriguez who don't like to fight very often. Uh, the Korean zombie doesn't fight very often, although he's picking it up. He's picking his pace up. Uh, Ortega has had two fights in the last, you know, three years. Um, so it's a little, you know, it's a little stagnant up there. Very good. Don't get me wrong. Very good, but very stagnant towards the uh, towards the top. And you look at the guys, uh, I mean, Jesus, some of the prospects down there. You know, we have uh, Sadiq Youssef, Bryce Mitchell. Nobody wants to fight Ryan Hall. I, I think he will stay inactive because uh, nobody will want to fight that guy. The UFC will have to force people to fight Ryan Hall. Uh, Barboza is kind of the weird one sitting there at 12, but Arnold Allen, I mean, he, w- what kind of win streak is this guy on? Like five or six? You know, he's got to fight a real opponent because a lot of those guys have been uh, lesser competition. Dan Ige, who we saw in uh, his first main event this year. Shane Burgos, he did get knocked out by Josh Emmett, but that's still a real legitimate prospect, and he's sitting there at nine. Uh, Josh Emmett, he's kind of on ice because of that um, ACL tear, I believe he had. But, I mean, man, there's a lot of guys on the up and up from from 7 to 15 so that, again this is another division where you know a year from now 18 months from now two years from now could look entirely di- actually you know what it probably won't even look entirely different i i think the top 15 is going to be pretty steady all things considered of course weird things happen and unforeseeable things happen but like volkanovsky's the champ i don't think he's not going to be champ anytime soon and what is he like 31 Max Holloway is like fucking 27 or 28 years old, already the greatest of all time, and he's sitting there at the number one contender. Ortega's like 29. Zabit's under 30. Uh, the Korean Zombie's probably like 32. Cater's 32. Yair is like 27. And then, of course, all the young guys I just named are prospects. So it's like, if, if you took the average age of someone in the top 15 division by, by division i think featherweight would be the youngest maybe flyweight because flyweight's fucking weird because you know they have guys who should not even be in the ufc in the top 15 but i think of the real divisions that matter featherweight's probably the youngest man that's a super super young uh top 15 i mean the, the only old guys you have there are barboza stevens uh, Emmett actually is kind of old but he is a, a prospect on the up and up um, so, I mean, that's fun. I mean, I really think 
Yeah, it's so tough to predict because, like I said, parody is a real thing. But, like, I, I think a year from now, I think thir- 13, 13 of the guys in the top 15, I think, will be in the top 15 a year from now. That's how that's how young it is. Um, so that that's that's fun. It's a little tricky when you talk about who deserves a title shot because when you talk about the uh, stagnation of, of the, the top five or six, well... You know, when you're when you're just kind of sludging through fucking ice, I mean, who who gets the next crack at Volkanovski? Not Holloway. He just lost two in a row. Ortega. I've seen people saying Ortega should, but Ortega has one win in the last two and a half years. You can't just be inactive for for two and a half years, get one win, and get a crack at the title. I think Zabit is probably the front runner to get a crack at the title. But I'll tell you what first fight back in uh 2021 is uh Holloway and Calvin Cater on that on that fight night so uh you know recency bias is a hell of a thing I think if Calvin Cater wins how can you say Calvin Cater doesn't deserve a title shot he's by far the most active highly ranked featherweight and if you beat Holloway which is a tall task I definitely would favor Holloway but if you beat him it it has to be Volkanovski versus Cater because we do not have a timeline for when Volkanovski will return. I think I think uh, everything I've seen over the last year, so it might not be updated, but you know every everything I've seen or not last year, of course he fought in fucking July, um, but everything I've seen over the last couple of months, you know, leads me to believe that the hand is healing for Volkanovski, that you know everything's going fine. So, but but I still think we haven't heard anything, so he still might not return until April or or May. I mean, who fucking knows? So if Cater gets the dub, I mean, we know he can do a quick turnaround, but it might not it might not even be a quick turnaround. It still might be 3 or 4 months until we we get another featherweight title fight and, you know, Cater would be the number 1 ranked guy and you beat Holloway. Yeah, I I I would love it. Um moving on to probably the most interesting division in the UFC. I mean, the division that really really came into its own in 2020 the bantamweight division i mean start calling this the moneyweight division because jesus and and i said this a few months ago but it's it's just becoming truer and truer you take anybody in the rankings champion to 15 randomly fucking draw straws and have them fight each other man it's going to be a good fight uh, Garbrandt versus Song Yudong, that would be awesome. Rivera versus uh, Corey Sandhagen, I mean, just fucking mix and match. You know, every single fight here would be awesome. There's no fluff. There is no fluff. It is all filet mignon. It is all fucking Gordon Ramsay, Beef Wellington in the fucking bantamweight top 15 because it is, you know, Piotr Jan. I mean, that guy could be champ for a long time. I don't, I don't think people were talking like super glowingly about Piotr Jan when he became champ dude he's like 27 and outboxed Jose Aldo like who the fuck does that that guy could be champ for a long time all Jermaine Sterling sitting there let's get this guy a title shot Corey Sandhagen yeah he had the quick submission loss to Sterling but also had an awesome uh, spinning wheel kick knockout of of Marlon Marais Cody Garbrandt revived his career with a a knockout of the year uh, contender obviously not the winner uh, at least if you go by North Star Sports standards, which are the correct standards. Um, but, you know, three-fight losing streak? Ah, fuck that. Totally forgot about that because, you know, he, he knocked out 
uh, Asunsa, who's a tough guy to, to do that to. Um, you know, Dom Cruz is still sitting there, and he's going to fight Casey Kenny. So I wouldn't put it past, you know, the Cruzmeister to come back and do something. You know, Jose Aldo just got, got a win. Rob Font blasted his way through the top five. You know, he was sitting at 10. Now he's at five. Uh, Frankie Edgar. I mean, can the old man pull it off? I mean, stats. Stats would tell you he can't. But I don't fucking know, man. He's sitting there at four. He's going to fight Corey Sandhagen. I don't know. If he beats Sandhagen, probably getting a title shot. So, uh, And then how could you forget about the fucking machine? The machine, Marab Davalishvili. I mean, that guy might be the sleeper of the sleeper of sleepers. He's the sleeper sleeper. I mean, this guy, all he does is just take you up, slam you down, take you up, slam you down, outstrike, out cardio his opponents. I mean, outside of that bullshit loss to um, Ricky Simone, and then I think he had another bullshit loss on a, on a weird decision. I mean, that guy could be undefeated. He could be undefeated, undefeated. And if he's undefeated, he's probably sitting in the top five right now. So, uh, you know, man, this division is just fun as hell. And, and, and that's the thing, too. Like, uh, uh, it's fun now, but like, do you think it's not going to get any funner in 2021, two, three, four, five? I mean, just go on all of these guys. It, it's, it's the perfect mix of, of old savvy, still relevant veterans and just young killers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we got some legends in here. We got some, we got some people you could make your career off of. We got the Frankie Edgars. We got the Dominic Cruises. You know what I mean? So we got we got the the Jose Aldos. We got the legends, but we also got the young killers. We got the we got the Yans, the 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 Feelies, the the uh, Cody Garbrandt is still twenty seven or twenty eight, which is crazy to think of. So, you know, it's it's got it has everything. It it really does. It's got boxers. It's got kickboxers, submission guys. I mean, which I I know sounds cliche, but I mean fuck me this this honestly this is the the division of the year and i i don't see that changing anytime soon and then of course i mean this is just the rankings so i mean you talk about guys not even in the top 15 marlon chito vera i mean that was a tough fight against jose aldo there's a lot to improve on but you know marlon vera is a, a tough guy very tough guy and let's not forget about the human coloring book sean o'malley that one of the most overrated fighters in the ufc but he's still sitting there and he's got big drawing power because there's enough fucking idiots out there who will be fans of sean o'malley you know what i mean so uh even outside of the top 15 it's a fun division so that that's i'm very excited for for what the bantamweight division can do uh in the future um I, I think we'll skip flyweight because we didn't do a flyweight article because we didn't do flyweight rankings until like fucking October. There's not a whole lot to talk about in the flyweight division outside of, you know, the the champ Davison Figueredo and the number one contender Brandon Moreno. Of course, that was North Star Sports fight of the year. And that's that's the next fight that has to happen. It was a draw. Uh, Davison would have won if he didn't have that point deduction for a uh, cheap shot, which, hey, you have two cheap shots on a fight. I mean, that's, you know, you, a point getting docked is a real thing. Um, but that's the fight to make, and it'll be one hell of a fight. But outside of that, could not give less of a fuck about the flyweight division. I mean, maybe Askar Askarov will do something. You know, that's he's a young guy who's undefeated um, up there in the top five. You got uh, Pantoja. 
Uh, Joey B probably has one more fight. Who do you line him up against? Fuck me if I know, man. There's no there's no legacy fights for your final fight if if that's the way he wants to go. So, um, you know, the, I'm I'm excited for Davison. I love Figgy. I love Figgy Fight Night. But you know, outside of that, I mean, oof, it's it's a rough division. It's a very rough division. Uh, speaking of rough divisions, we're gonna get into uh, the female divisions and. Uh, Man, it's uh, it was not a good year for uh, women's MMA. Um, when you go division by, by division, there obviously there are, are bright spots, but I mean I I'm so bored with this bantamweight division, and it's Amanda Nunes' fault, but you know not really. You can't blame her. You know what I mean? It's her dominance. She's so dominant that I just don't care about this division. Uh, I mean she's beaten everybody. There's no prospects in the women's bantamweight division. Well, there's one. There, but that's crazy to say. There legitimately is only one prospect in the women's bantamweight division, and it's Aspen Ladd. Aspen Ladd. That's really the only top fighter that hasn't lost to Amanda Nunes in a title fight. And I think Nunes would put the work on her, but oh, Jermaine Durandame sitting there at number one, Holly Holm at number two. Oh, Christ. I never want to watch another Holly Holm or Jermaine Durandame fight in my fucking life. I mean, I would die a happy man if I never saw those two fight again. I mean, Jesus. It props to them for staying relevant. It's not a it's not a knock on their their skills, you know, good for them for, you know, not falling off. I'm not saying I want them to fall off, but oh, Jesus, just the same usual suspects who we know would get destroyed by Amanda Nunes if they ever rematch. There's, you know, nobody wants to see another title shot for GDR Holly Holm. I mean, Pennington sitting there at four. I mean, oh, it's just such a... Nobody emerged. Nobody emerged, and that's unfortunate. You know what I mean? Uh, ho- hopefully, Aspen Ladd can break through. But, I mean, you know, Ketlin Vieira, I mean, that was a pretty legitimate prospect a couple of years ago. Um, who did she lose to? Ah, shoot, I forgot, I forgot who she lost to, but she lost to somebody and then, you know was uh, pretty inactive for a while, came back, she beat Shadara Eubanks, so, you know, she's she's kind of on her way back, oh, she lost to Irene Aldana, so I guess Ketlin Vieira, that's interesting, very good ground game, you know, maybe maybe a title challenger, fresh face, but I mean, man, you're just talking about like Sarah McMahon still kicking around, Marion Renault, Lena Landsberg, I mean, just, God, I, it's, I don't know who's next for Amanda Nunes, and I don't know who's next a year from now or two years from now. There's just no young prospects, man. It's just all kind of eh. Um, moving on here to the uh, the women's flyweight division. Now, th- this is probably the best women's division. Um, it's getting deeper and deeper. There are not a lot of young names at the top, but there are some some young names down there at the bottom. Um, obviously, Shevchenko is the champ, defended the belt twice. Uh, we got Jessica Andrade, I think, next in line for a, a title fight. That would be interesting. I think that would do um, bigger numbers, all things considered. I, I, again, I don't think it's a pay-per-view, pay-per-view draw, but I think it would do bigger numbers. Former champ versus champ. Um, Lauren Murphy, I mean, she moved up three spots. Uh, you know, that'll, that'll be a, a fun one to, to see if she can get a, a title shot. But again, not a young prospect. 
Uh, we got Macy Barber. Hopefully she returns in, in 2021. I think she's scheduled to face um, Alexa Grasso. Alexa Grasso. Um, so I think that's probably your number one prospect. Uh, Talia Santos, Amanda Hibas, uh, Jillian Robertson. I know she just lost to Talia Santos, but you know, you look at uh, 10 through 15, there's, there's a, a handful of interesting prospects. So I think we still probably have another year of Shevchenko just kind of kind of fighting people who are highly ranked but don't deserve to be highly ranked because the division is new and and not very deep I think it's probably still another year before we see some of these young prospects get title shots but I think that's when we see the the women's flyweight division truly arrive when you see like homegrown talent like Barber and Hebos and and Robertson when you see these fighters you know make it into that top five and and uh, you know, start doing some damage. I think that's when this division will arrive. So you know, it, it's a promising division. And and all things considered, I mean, this division's only been around for three years. Pretty fucking hard to build divisions. I mean, look at the flyweight division that still sucks, and it's been around for eight years. Um, so it's it, it's promising, but it's it's just tough, kind of slagging your way through. You know, people who are just in spots because we need people in spots. Uh, moving on to the final division it's the UFC strawweight division and uh awful year for the strawweight division as a totality I mean at the top end I'm excited at the top end I'm really excited I mean Li Zhang I think she'll be a champ for a long time she's a fucking marauder I mean fight of the year uh for a lot of people against Joanna Yun Jacek you got Rose Namajunas sitting there Tatiana Suarez I think very easily could be champ if she ever returned hopefully she gets healthy uh, a neck injury is not something to fuck around with. So I look at the top four, I mean, champ and, and one through three. Man, I love it, man. Zhang, Namiyunas, Suarez, and Yan Jacek. Fucking stellar. And then we go four through nine, and we're kind of a lot of fighters who have faced each other, won one, lost one. Just a lot of people tr- treading around at 500. We got Carla Esparza, Nina Ansarov, uh, Yan Xiaonan. Michelle Watterson, Claudia Gedalia, just contenders, but that lower level of contenders. We, we need someone to emerge from this pack. And then uh, 10 through 15, I'm just so disappointed. And uh, it's, it's not really the division's fault, but we've seen so many uh, strawweight prospects move up to flyweight, which is why I'm so excited for flyweight, because, you know, those legitimate prospects, you know, are in that division. But like, Man, like, you you cultivate all these strawweight prospects and they just leave, so you're left with nothing at the bottom. You're left with Angela Hill, who I think is extremely overrated, Tisha Torres, who is extremely overrated, Mackenzie Dern's probably the only legitimate prospect, and she's sitting there at number 10. You know, you got Jandy Roba, Henato Souza, and, and Murata, and fair play, we'll see what they can do. But I mean, man, <laughs> so many fighters left, it's just like... I'm concerned about the future of the strawweight division just because, you know, I, I think we thought we were in good hands, but so many people moved up, you know, and, and, you know, it's not like they left for Bellator, so we'll still see that awesome talent, but it's just, oh, man, 2022 might be a rough fucking year for, for strawweight if we don't fi- figure some shit out, you know. I think at the at the top end, we can carry it for a while with, with the four I named, but, it you know, it's just, oh, I don't know, man, and... I think that's a trend. I think that is a trend uh, of uh, fighters moving up 
weight classes. So nobody moves up to straw weight. There, hey man, there ain't no division lower than straw weight. So people aren't moving down to straw weight necessarily. That's not that's not a trend. People sure as hell are moving up. So it's kind of tough, man, because we straw weight gets poached from, but no straw weight ain't poaching poaching from other divisions. So um, I don't know, man. That's I don't know. Hopefully you can sign some more Invicta fighters because they've had a lot of success with signing fighters from Invicta. But uh, I don't know. I'd be a little concerned about uh, the straw weight division. Um, but with that, we have reached the end of our uh, state of the UFC uh, address. Uh, this is the final show of 2020. Uh, listen. Thanks, thanks for tuning in uh, and and, and uh, supporting the show in 2020. 2021 is going to be a, a huge year for North Star Sports. We got so much fun shit planned. I mean, the main card showdown blew up in 2020. I mean, it's only going to get bigger in 2021. I mean, you know, who knows how many people will will be uh, competing in that? I mean, you know, we already got like eight now. I mean, who knows? Could be could make a real league of it make a real league of it and you know uh we're, we're gonna get far more active with doing shows and doing uh you know written pieces and stuff like that so you know 2020 is gonna be our year i i really feel it so uh with that we'll wrap it up once again thanks for tuning in everybody you can follow me on twitter at owen ely mn go follow north star sports on twitter at north star min be sure to check out our website at northstarsports.media again updated rankings i mean just so many fun shenanigans on that website always updating it It, it's the it's the most handsome website really in, in in sports media so check that out and just thanks for tuning in everybody